0: According to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and carefully search until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a special skill, a talent that I'd like to share with you. I'm very adept at losing everything all the time, and that is why I'm thankful that the Apple Corporation is well aware of this and have given me some fail-safes to bail me out. Right? They have this little handy app I can just pull up on my phone, the Find My app, and it literally will give me the GPS location of whatever piece of technology I've misplaced. Maybe it's my watch, my computer, my iPhone. Okay, well now I know you're thinking, what happens if you lose your phone, Pastor? What do you do? Don't worry. That's why I have my Apple Watch, that I can ping my phone, and if I'm not wearing my watch and I've lost my phone, I've got bigger problems, folks, and I'm in trouble. But Apple was thinking ahead. They thought to themselves, well, not just pieces of technology. What about the other stuff that you have that you constantly lose? That's where those little AirTag things come in handy. So what did I do? I went to Costco, and I bought the four-pack and started slapping them on everything. I got one in my keys. I got one in my wallet. We put one on the dog's collar, and it worked so well, I'm thinking about buying some collars for the boys. You know? Really, (laughs) you got to make sure that you don't lose all of your things, which is why, for me at least, I love our gospel today because our gospel today is all about losing and finding things, right? It's an experience we've all had at one point in our lives or another. And I, for one, celebrate when I find that which I have lost, right? Like I said, I lose things all the time. I'm I'm the kind of person, too, where I will specifically take a thing and put it into a spot, and as I'm doing it, I think, all right, brain, remember, you're putting it here so you don't forget later, right? And then what do I do? Oh, I forget later. Five minutes later, I'm like, I know I put it somewhere smart, so smart, I've outsmarted myself, actually, in the process. You see, that's the thing, though. As I come to this story today, I realize I'm not the one doing the finding. In fact, This time, this cycle, this opportunity to preach, I'm realizing that I am the one that is lost and needs to be found. For lack of a better phrase, I am the sheep. I am the coin that is looking to be found. And as it turns out, I'm okay with these arrangements, because it means that once I'm found, they're going to throw a party in my honor, right? And that sounds great to me. That's important as we jump into our gospel today to see that not everybody is wearing their party hats, we'll say. The scribes and the Pharisees in particular aren't exactly thrilled with Jesus. They're standing there and we're told that they are grumbling. They're grumbling because this fellow Jesus welcomes even sinners and he eats with them. Oh my, right? And I just want a quick aside. I love love that they refer to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, as this fellow. This fellow over here eats with the sinners. I just love this whole thing, right? And so he eats with these sinners, and that's really getting them upset. But I think this is really important context for us, right? Because it frames what's to come. It frames for us the parables. Because what we now see is that Jesus is responding to this grumbling. And therefore, it allows us an opportunity to put ourselves in the seat and see what he's responding to, right? So he's responding to this grumbling, which then tells me that this isn't about being winners or losers in a game of divine hide-and-seek. It also isn't even about repentance, right? I mean, the word gets used, but let's be honest. Sheep and coins aren't exactly able to repent. How could that possibly be the point here? I think there's something bigger at stake. What I see is it is God's radical hospitality, a hospitality that expends its love in support of not just saints but sinners too, that welcomes and invites the sinners back in. And it is this radical hospitality that has the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling. And so what does Jesus do? He tells us a story, a parable, actually too. First one, it's about the shepherd, the shepherd who's lost one of his sheep. And now the shepherd makes a choice to go and find the one that's lost and to leave the other 99 behind, which, let's be honest, is risking financial ruin if something goes wrong. And yet, that's what the shepherd does, leaves the 99 to pursue the one that is lost. And I love that image love that image of God as as a shepherd who pursues those who are lost. I think it's why we find such comfort in the 23rd Psalm, David's Psalm about the good shepherd, the shepherd who, who shall pursue me all the days of my life, we are told. I love that idea of God being unrelenting in pursuit of us who are lost because, dear people of God, we get lost over and over and over in our lives. I have experienced this, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, it goes all the way back to earlier in my life, to to when I was just growing up in the church, just learning about my faith. I tried everything to lose it. Back in the day, I grew up at Christ Lutheran Church on the northwest side of Chicago, corner of Belmont and Central, a church that no longer exists, although the building does. The congregation closed days before I started seminary. Now, we were one of those families. When it came to church, my dad would look for any reason possible to not go any given Sunday morning. So twice a month, he would be unsuccessful in kind of negotiating his way out of it with my mom. And so we'd go to church. You wanna know my favorite part of church growing up? The Wendy's salad bar afterwards. The Wendy's around the corner had one of those awesome salad bars and we would go there with my entire family and it made church, how do you say, bearable. So we would go to church and this is what we do and I, we would kind of suffer through it together. Then, then I was confirmation age, which meant I got to go through confirmation class and here's a story. Confirmation class was a class of one, me, by myself, which is why I'm glad I showed up in time for the confirmation class photo. It would have been terribly embarrassing had I not, but we had confirmation by myself. But that then was the point for the wider church to get involved, because they saw me, the youth, who kind of was sort of okay with church a little bit, and they said, hey, man, we need acolytes. And I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and my brothers sure as heck weren't going to do it, so started acolyting. Big mistake. Why? Because then they learned I could read. Then I was in real big trouble, right? Well, he can read, he can assist. Hey, Zach, you wanna be an assistant minister? No. Well, you gotta do it, okay? So now I'm acolyting and I'm assisting and I'm kinda liking it. But I don't wanna tell anybody, right? Because I've learned that lesson. If you show joy in church, you'll be asked to do more, right? So, lesson for everybody here today. So so then, it's at that moment, right, when I start to get this chorus, right? I start to, for lack of a better uh, term, be pursued, we'll say. Pursued by the elderly women in the church. Politely saying, you know, you really could do this for a career. You have a future in this. To which I replied, yeah, I don't think you have much of a future. The time is ticking, lady, but whatever. So, so we're at that point, right? We're at that point where they're telling me, so what do I do? I do what any smart person at that time does in their life. They say, well, got to go away to college. Can't do it anymore. So what do I do? I go away to University of Iowa as a pre-law major because if it was good enough for Luther, it was good enough for me, right? And so I'm going to take that path to a career. Three and a half later, guess where I find myself? Moving in to the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, where Luther would have attended had he grown up in Chicago, I'm convinced, right? And so I find myself in seminary. I tried to get lost. I tried to tell those wonderful women that I had no interest in this process. I tried, I tried, I tried, and guess what happened? The Holy Spirit pursued me through the community of God and God's people, which leads me into this community of God and God's people where I stand before you, green sneakers and all. And I love it here. I love it here. Why? Because I think at the heart of this congregation, we do one thing really, 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 really well. We rejoice. And we rejoice to the fullest. We find reasons to rejoice. We rejoice this morning at rally day as we gather for teacher and, and parent meetings, as we go to Sunday school for the first time, as we reorient ourselves to the rhythm of the church calendar and the church year. We rejoice outside with tacos. And when it's raining, we rejoice inside with eight varieties of homemade muffins. Thank you, by the way. And so we rejoice. Right? We're going to rejoice at the table here in a few minutes. We do it every week, and a pandemic couldn't stop it. Sure, we didn't do it in the building, but we did it online. Wednesday night, we're going to rejoice over tacos again. Because if it was good enough the first time, why not a second time? Right? We find reasons to rejoice. We rejoice at weddings, and at baptisms, as we wash and welcome new members into this community of God's people for whom we shout out hallelujah and rejoice. We even rejoice at the end of life as we say goodbye to those who we love. This community is breathtakingly good at doing that work of rejoicing Even in the darkest and deepest valleys of our life, we find reason to come together and rejoice. And that, dear people of God, is so key because what I see here is a group of people who rejoice whenever and wherever it is that we are found. And that then brings us to our second parable. About a woman who loses her coin in the couch cushion, right? But she takes it as an opportunity to clean the entire house, right? Pursuing endlessly that which she has lost. Why? Because she knows deep down just because she can't see the coin doesn't mean the coin doesn't exist. And so she will pursue it until it is that she finds it. And when she does, you know what she does? She calls the community together to rejoice, to come together, and to celebrate extravagantly with her over that which she has found. The point of our gospel today, the heart of it, is that simple truth that it's about mercy, not merit. When it comes to our relationship with a God who loves us and who rejoices over us. God, our shepherd. God, this woman who endlessly searches for that which is lost. Much to the joy of the sinner and to the chagrin of the self-righteous one because God, you see, pursues the righteous and unrighteous alike, sinner and saint. God makes no differentiation because we are all beloved children of God. And here's the other thing. There's going to be moments in your life, and I'm sure you've had these, where you pursue God in faith, right? And it's a glorious thing when in your pursuit you find God. Right? You find the divine peeking through to you in relationships or the world around us. But truth be told, I think our job today is much simpler than that. It's not about us going out and being found. It's about us accepting the invitation to rejoice when God finds us. And that's the challenge. Are we willing to rejoice with God when God finds us? Truth be told, I think we're pretty good at it. I mean, again, I'm the kind of person who needs technology, who needs reminders and apps in order to find anything in my life. I almost put the GPS on to walk across the parking lot this morning because it's been a year and I don't exactly remember what it looks like. But God doesn't need all that stuff. Because God already has everything God needs. God is already making the invitation. God is inviting us to do something very simple. Rejoice. Rejoice together. As sinners and saints, rejoice together in times of joy and in times of sorrow. At all times, dear people, rejoice. Thanks be to God. Amen.